You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I am your host, JJ Leahy. What's crack a lackin', folks? Got uh, got the London game announced this morning. October 9th, Giants at London. It's going to be fun. Um, I had heard from like 10 different sources <laughs> that it was going to be Giants, and I had heard from... Uh, two others that it was going to be Rams. So I was mostly expecting Giants, but kind of hoping Rams. Uh, I think the overall reaction from Packers fans on social media, at least that I have seen, has been um, disappointment just because the Giants are still very much in a rebuild right now. And therefore, they're not one of the more exciting teams to get to play. But I think it's going to be a good time. Um, I have always thought of the Giants as uh, kind of one of the really American, uh, almost patriotic teams. Um, part of that obviously has to do with the colors in their logo and on their uniforms. You get the red, white, and blue. Um, similar to the Patriots. <sighs> you know, and if you hate the idea of the Giants representing America... <laughs> I mean, they could be the Cowboys, so there's that. Would you rather have it be the Giants or the Cowboys that people think of if they're going to think of one team to represent all of America? Anyways, uh, <laughs> I think it'll be fun. Um, yeah, they didn't draft a quarterback, so still got uh, Danny Dimes over there. Uh, Giants did not pick up his fifth-year option, <laughs> which, you know, to to the surprise of no one. Um, New York Giants draft. Who did, who all did they get? Off the top of my head, I cannot think of a single player outside of, um, the guys they got in the first round. Oh, might be helpful if I include the word draft when I search it. I'm just getting New York Giants in general. So they had, uh, obviously Thibodeau and then, uh, who's the other guy they drafted? Charles Cross in the first round, I believe. Did they get Evan Neal or Charles Cross? No, I think it was, uh. Evan Neal. Um, here we go. Blue, blue, big blue interactive.com. Apparently this was the wrong link to click. 2022 draft preview quarterbacks. This isn't what I want. I don't want draft preview. We're going to go to New York post because 
At least they are listing everybody. Yeah, they did get Evan Neal. So Kayvon Thibodeau at five, who I think, I think you could make a pretty good argument that Kayvon Thibodeau was the better player over Aiden Hutchinson. Higher ceiling. Aiden, I think, just is a little bit more NFL ready right now. So, you know, I I understood the Lions picking Aiden. That's who I would have taken probably if I were advising the Lions. But I think Kayvon's going to be a force in New York. Of course, they got Evan Neal to pair with, uh, who's the other guy? Andrew Whitworth. Not Andrew Whitworth. Andrew uh, uh, Thomas? Is that his name? Andrew Thomas, yeah. That's going to be a, a pretty decent offensive tackle duo, at least in a year or two, once uh, Evan Neal really gets comfortable in their scheme. I like those two picks. Then they got Wandale Robinson. Now, Wandale was not high on my list, but why am I going through the whole Giants draft? I'm going to hit the hit uh, Wandale, and then we'll, we'll be done with this. But, <laughs> uh, but Wandale was not high on my list, but, uh, you know, Ryan had that cool stat about the, what was it, 1,500 yards uh, in the SEC. And I think Wandale had like 1,334, somewhere around there. Um, you know, and so it's like, all right, if you if you look at just wide receivers who have hit 1,000 yards in the SEC in the last, like, 10 years, it's basically all good players. And then you got Wandale. And then, you know, so, so Ryan was saying, okay, Let's see how Wandell does, and if he is, you know, kind of flops, then we'll just up it to fifteen hundred as being the the threshold. Um, what would be hilarious would be if Wandale ends up being a stud, and then Jamison Williams flops because Jamison had over fifteen hundred, and Wandale's the guy. Like, well, you know, he's the kind of one of the only guys we're including here at like thirteen hundred yards who didn't get all the way to fifteen. Oh my gosh, that'd be funny if Jamison. Going to the Lions is the one guy who who does kind of flop, but made it to fifteen hundred yards. Anyways, Giants are gonna be fun to play against. Um, okay, been quite a few days since since the draft, so I'm not going to tear in super deep into all the draft prospects because I listen to the Packernet Podcast Network, same as you, and you've been hammered to death already by all these players. I'm I don't think you're sick of it because it's a lot of fun. These are the new guys, but I, I do want to give you some information you haven't already heard. So I'm going to talk about two players we drafted, maybe a little bit more than that, but but two for sure. And then uh, we're going to talk about the undrafted free agents, because right now there's 27, we'll say 25 new Packers. 25 confirmed plus two that are just kind of floating out there. The two that I'm referring to would be Kiki Kism out of Missouri, wide receiver, and safety Alex Spillum, Coastal Carolina. Those two guys have been reported a couple of times as having signed with the Packers, but the Packers have not confirmed that. And so we're not going to officially list them here, but... Um, I've been digging into these UDFAs. Some of these guys are really interesting. They're going to be fun to learn about. I think this year, more than other years, there's a decent chance that you get a couple of UDFAs who make the 53. We usually have uh, one UDFA every year who makes the team. Did we have one last year? I'm not sure we did last year. I know, like, two years ago, it was iffy 
because the Packers um, kept a guy. Who was it? It was, uh, I think that they cut one of the wide receivers, like like um, Darius. What the heck is that guy's name? He was here for forever, and I, it was super frustrating. Packers, Darius. Um, I keep thinking of other. Darius Shepard, that's the guy's name. Darius Shepard was the guy. A couple of years ago, he was cut and then brought back. Uh, anyways. Oh, but yeah, in 2021, they did keep Jack Heflin. He was a 2021 undrafted free agent. Looks like that's the only guy. So they did have one. Um, Last year was a funny situation because we actually we didn't have a 53-man cut down. We had a 52-man cut down because they didn't keep a punter on the roster and then ended up trading for Bajorquez a day or so later. Um, you know, it's funny looking at all the guys who did not make that 53 who are still on the roster today, like guys who were cut, brought back for the on the practice squad, and now they're still here. Um, like a, a notable one would be KB on Ento. Um, Innis Gaines. Uh, is Dijon Harris back with us again? I don't think he is. I think he signed with like the Broncos or somebody. Yeah, Harris is no longer here. Um, do, 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 do. oh man, Bronson Kafusi I think is gone. I know Rogers really liked him for a minute. I, you know, anytime you got a guy who like makes position switches, I'm just not a fan of that because I, it, it just it never really pans out. I just. The, the one time in a blue moon when it actually happens and it pans out just doesn't feel worth it to me for all the all the number of times we swing and miss. Uh, and then kicker, kicker J.J. Molson was with us last summer. He is back with us again this summer. Might be about it. Oh, Patrick Taylor. Let's see. Christian Upoff is gone. Cole Van Lannon. That's an interesting one because he was a draft pick. Uh, same with, um, well, no, EQ's not back with us. Uh, Juwan Winfrey. So actually quite a few guys who, who were with us in camp last year got cut and then um, are back again this year. And also last year you had you had your 52 with uh, an, an empty spot open for punter. But then we had Bakhtiari on pup and Jay Sternberger was on the reserve suspended list. Um, I don't think we're going to have time to talk about tight ends today. I really would like to, but we're not going to do that. Uh, but remind me, we might talk about that next week. I got a lot of thoughts on tight ends. Um, but this roster is interesting to me right now because I'm looking through it and I feel like there's not as many starters that I can ink in right now as there typically are at this point in the year. I'm looking at, uh, you know, wide receiver, obviously is the first person people want to talk, or the first position people want to talk about, and it's, I'm not going to say it's wide open at the top, but you've got just a pile of guys who all have something they can bring to the team, and pretty massive question marks. And then, you know, who 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 would you count on for sure, barring injury, 
to be a day one starter. Alan Lazard, for sure. I would say Randall Cobb. Outside of that, I'm not sure because the next guy on my depth chart is Sammy Watkins, but there is a non-zero chance that Sammy Watkins gets cut at some point over the summer. I don't think it's likely. I think he probably does make the team. But there are a lot of people out there who are already assuming that Sammy Watkins doesn't make the team, which is, I, I don't know if I think that's weird or not. I guess I get it. I think I'm just higher on Sammy Watkins than most people are. I think there's a lot of folks who think that Sammy Watkins is totally washed and is kind of just a break glass in case of emergency player. I don't think that's quite true, but I at least understand where they're coming from on that. Amari Rogers probably is one of your, I, I would say he's probably hovering right around wide receiver four. And then after that, I mean, it's just kind of a free-for-all. You got your top four. Really, it's, it's, it's your top two, and then you got two more in Sammy Watkins and Amari uh, Rogers, who probably are there. And then after that, it's kind of just a free-for-all. You got Christian Watson, who I think probably is a contributor in year one. But, you know, my my big knock on him as a draft prospect, was his rawness. We should probably talk about Christian Watson here. He's one of the couple couple draft picks that I really wanted to talk about. Um, <clears throat> I my, my frustration with Watson as a draft prospect was I didn't see a big path to him being a, a big contributor in year one. And it felt to me like there was a consensus opinion that we really wanted to get a guy who could be a 2022 uh, big impact player. Christian Watson, to me, reminds me a ton of Rashawn Gary. Just alien-like freak athlete, really hard worker, uh, fiercely loyal. You know, he, he uh, the, the only school that uh, that... Gave him an offer was NDSU. Then he gets offers to transfer to bigger, better programs. Sticks with NDSU because of loyalty. That you know that that isn't an, an admirable trait in him. Sounds like he's a really high character guy, a uh, smart guy, kind of middling college production. Didn't didn't put up the kind of numbers that you really would hope in college. Similar to Rashawn Gary. Um, and, and then just really raw and undeveloped. And, and you heard, uh, Goody and what's his name? John Eric Sullivan talking about that. You know, they're getting questions about his route tree and, and his, um, you know, understanding of just how to play football. And they were not talking that up. They were, they were acknowledging that, you know, we are, we, there's a lot of work for him to do. When he gets here, we're excited to get him in the building and work with him. And we think he has a super high ceiling and be can become a fantastic player. And there's there was not really much talk of, yeah, we think there's a big role for him starting this year. And I agree with that. Uh, I, I was pretty vocally anti-Christian Watson as a draft prospect. That's done with. I had questions and concerns. 
Gudekunst clearly did not share those. He was trying to trade up into the first round. He was trying to trade with the Vikings uh, for, for pick 32, um, which they used to select Lewis Seen so that he could get Christian Watson on day one. That's the value he had on Christian. That excites me a ton. You know, we're, we're looking at what all he brings to the table from an athleticism standpoint with high upside. No question in my mind, he can be a freak among freaks in a couple of years. I just think that, you know, you look at, and, and by the way, to any North Dakota State fans who are about to get upset with me here for, for what I'm about to say next, just chill for a second. I don't think that he got the greatest coaching at NDSU. Um, and uh, and I, I said that, and, and somebody started to get upset with me on Twitter, and I said, look, listen, anybody who is going to try and make the case that NDSU put him in a, in a position to succeed is out of their minds. <laughs> because the, the, big ex, the, the, the big excuse that is made for Christian Watson when you question his college production is, oh, well, NDSU just isn't a passing team. They're, they're a running team. Okay, that's fine. We can blame the school. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with blaming the school and putting all our eggs in the basket of Christian Watson really is this good. And Brian Gudikins seems to agree with that. I'm good with that. I'm excited about him. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to be the biggest Christian Watson fan in the world. I think that's enough on Christian Watson. Um, I'm geeked for him. I just, I'm tempering my expectations for him in 2022. I think that there is certainly a role for him in stretching the field, stretching the stretching the defense out, which opens up stuff underneath for other guys. And then, you know, if if the defense isn't biting on <laughs> on Christian Watson streaking down the field, yes, please don't bite on him. Please doubt him. Because then he is deep down the field with nobody in sight. Home free heading for the end zone. Please do that. <laughs> uh, that would be my preference. But then if you do bite on him and you, you know, uh, you are a shading safety help over there, whatever, you're opening up a lot of space underneath for tight ends, for uh, Lazard, for Amari Rogers. The other guy to talk about here, Romeo Dubs. How do you pronounce Dubs, by the way? I'm going with Dubs right now because every game I've ever seen him in, the announcers were calling him Dubs, and they're, um, you know, so so he went to Nevada. There's a Nevada reporter who has a tweet out from a while ago explaining that you pronounce his name as Dubs. I don't know. This is one of the few times where if you if you say Dobbs or Dobbs. I'm not going to correct you because I really don't know. I'm going with dubs because I see the most people putting corrections out there that say, no, it's dubs. Call them whatever you want to for right now because I don't think we <laughs> we have an answer. Uh, a couple other players that we do have answers on, by the way. Kingsley and Nagbar. That's how you say his last name. I said it wrong all off season. I was calling him Enigbare. Out of the man's own mouth, it's an egg bar. You know, I just paused this and I scrubbed through all the videos that the Packers had put out there. 
and I'm really frustrated because they, <laughs> they have videos saying Romeo's last name both ways. It's definitely not Dobbs, as far as I can tell. It's either Dobbs or Dubs. Larry McCarran says Dobbs. <laughs> uh, a couple other people said Do- said uh, Dubs. Um, I think I'm getting my words all mixed up. And they, they put out uh, two different highlight reels saying Dubs. So I don't know. Call him whatever you want to for right now. Oh, here's the video of him. Is he going to say it? Aha! He said Dobbs. All right. We have our answer. This is my uh, my ultimate authority. What comes out of the man's mouth? This is why I don't say Shamar John Charles, even though Packers.com says it. Even though the Packers media guide says that's how you say it. Dude does not say Shamar John Charles. When he opens his mouth, he says, this is Shamar Jean Charles. I'm just telling you, ultimate authority is how do they say their own name. Sorry, Packers.com. L for you. Um, okay, so it's it's Dobbs. All right, which is which is fine because that's how I've been saying it the past two days anyways, and I only just started saying Dubs literally right before I started recording because I was watching all these clips on uh, on the Packers website about them that were saying Dubs. So it's Dobbs. Whew. Wow, glad we got that covered. Uh, who else do we have? Oh, Samori Ture. That's how you say that guy's name. Samori Ture. Saw Peter Bukowski was sad because his first name is it pronounced Samurai. And as soon as he said that, it made me sad too. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I never I never read it like that in my head when I was looking at it. But now that I see that the letters could absolutely be Samurai, it makes me sad. No, it's Samori. Samori Ture. Okay. So going back to uh the roster. It's been a it's been a second because I've been watching all these videos. Um I think that Ture and Dobbs maybe have a shot at being bigger year one contributors than Christian Watson. Ture is significantly older. I think Dobbs is significantly more polished and refined than Watson. Obviously not talking about long-term potential, but Dobbs is certainly intriguing. This is a guy that I was... Honestly, all three of our wide receivers that we took were not super high on my list this year. Um, and, and they all have some traits in common that I don't tend to like when I'm scouting wide receivers. Dobbs may be less so than the other guys. I think, I think that my scouting on Dobbs in particular was um, maybe not as thorough as it, as it should have been. Um, he was one of the last guys I looked at and I was just kind of burned out on wide receivers. And so my scouting on him was a little bit lazier and I had him kind of pegged more as just a vertical threat. And that's not the kind of wide receiver that I really like. Um, but he's significantly more, uh, versatile and well-rounded than that. So I'm, I'm starting to get really excited about how polished he is and how much he might be able to contribute contribute in year one. Uh, just wouldn't surprise me. You know, they're going to get Christian Watson on the field, um, but he does have some drop struggles. His route tree, I think, is, is going to depend a lot on how quickly he can learn things this summer. We'll see. Some good bets in that room for him to learn from. I like Jason Vrabel, our wide receiver coach. 
Uh, I think that, you know, it's, it's dependent on how quickly he can learn, how quickly he can master some of this stuff. But I think that, I think that there's a role for him on offense if he, you know, reaches up and takes it and, and we'll see. Dobbs, I think just maybe has a little bit of a head start on him just based on, uh, the way that these two guys played in college. One thing I liked about both guys is that they seem to both play their best football in some of the biggest moments in games. That was something I liked about uh, tight end Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State as well, is that all of Ruckert's highlights were from the super big, important games. Oh, you're playing Alabama in the national championship. Fantastic. I'm going to ball out and give you my my biggest highlight plays right now when the game is on the line. That's the kind of stuff that I liked. Um, and Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, both kind of fit that bill. Looking across the rest of the roster, uh, tight end, I mean, you, you kind of know who your starters are. The question is just, are they going to make any additions? We'll talk about that at a later date. Um, not touching on offensive line just yet, because we're going to spend a while on that on this podcast. I think across the rest of the board, uh, D tackle is maybe an interesting one to talk about because Dean Lowry was a guy who I had pegged prior to the draft as being a prime extension candidate or at the very least a restructure candidate. Now I'm wondering if he gets cut outright. I like Dean Lowry. I would like to keep him, but we do need some money. He's a chunk of change. This is one of the more stacked positions on our roster over the last 11 years. Packers have kept an average of 5.5 defensive tackles on the roster. Let's look at our top five right now. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton. Well, those five guys clearly are going to be there <clears throat> um, just based on talent. After that, you have a pile of guys. Jack Heflin, John Ford. By the way, that's another guy. Uh, John Ford goes by John, not Jonathan. So I'm going to call him John Ford. Seventh round pick this year. I think Jack Heflin and John Ford both have a decent shot at making the team. We have two UDFAs there in Akil Byers and um, the Hawaiian guy. I will pronounce his name when we do a deep dive on him because I don't want to pause this and go listen to it again. <laughs> um, but I just think that you look at the guys there, you got five starters that you feel very confident in. Not five starters, five uh, five top guys there, you know, and, and I just, I think that the Packers are likely to look at this and say, you can take Dean Lowry out of the mix there and have Kenny Clark and Jerron Reed as your starters, at least for the first half of the year. And then you got Devonte Wyatt and TJ Slayton backing them up. We like what we have in Jack Heflin and John Ford. We can afford to move on from Dean Lowry and save what is not a small amount of money. A couple weeks ago, I would not have thought that there was any chance they were going to move on from him. Not any significant chance. Now I think it's maybe more likely they move on than than keep him. Uh, outside linebacker, not really any question there who they're going to keep. Um, they typically keep five guys. Once in a while, they keep four. They have four top guys, and then they have one, two, three guys that they really like um, in the mix for that fifth spot. I'm talking about Randy Ramsey, uh, Tipigalea, and Ladarius Hamilton. We know they like all three. 
As of today, my money is on Randy Ramsey winning that uh, outside linebacker number five job. But Rashawn, Preston, Garvin, and uh, Kingsley uh, Anagbar. By the way, by the way, it's official. Kingsley goes by JJ. So, you know, I, I think by law he has to be my favorite player now. Going to have to buy a jersey. Just saying. <laughs> and he, he wears 55, which, you know, it'll be cool to finally have a good player who wears 55. I don't think that we've ever had a... Nobody's coming to mind in Packers history who's worn 55, who's like this, you know, stud player. I mean, he, he could be the best 55 we've ever had. Wouldn't that be cool? Inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, uh, first name Jaquavion, goes by Quay. I think that's kind of cool. Chris Barnes, Ty Summers, that's four. I wouldn't be surprised if they only keep four. Um... Last year, they kept four. Over the last 11 years, they have kept 4.5. So, we'll see. Be interesting. Sorry, not 4.5. I was looking at the wrong column. 4.3. So, they, they could keep five, but four, I think, fits what they typically do frequently a little bit better. Now, the thing with inside linebacker and safety is you got two guys who really are hybrids. Quay Walker... And um, where is the guy? Oh, Tariq Carpenter. They, they're they both kind of tweeners to a small extent. I think Quay Walker clearly leans a lot more toward inside linebacker. Tariq Carpenter leans slightly more toward safety. But I think you can use both of those guys to do very similar things. And we've had a lot of concern about who's our third safety. Uh, it might be... A linebacker, actually. (sighs) Who's your backup safety if Amos or Savage get hurt? That is a bigger, more important question. Um, Or I should say more more serious question. But in terms of who is taking those snaps that last year were going to a third safety, I I think that's a linebacker this year. I really do. Um, Cornerback is pretty set. Um... For your four starters, uh, Jair, Stokes, Rasul, and Shamarjean Charles, but they keep six, like, basically every single year. And I'm not sure who your bottom two guys are. We have KB Anento on the roster. They brought in Keyshawn Nixon from the Raiders. I think he's going to be a special teamer. Um, but he really could carve out a role for himself as a slot corner. Uh, that's a, that's a spot where he has really excelled, <sighs> been a, been a pretty bad boundary corner, but as a slot, he's really, really quite good. Um, and then Keandre Thomas, who I know nothing about, um, I just have his name on the list. He's a guy I'm not, I don't even remember when, when we picked him up. I think we picked him up like in January or something. I, I don't remember this guy at all. We signed UDFA Raleigh Texada. See what I mean? You got to pull two names from KB Anento, Keyshawn Nixon, Keandre Thomas, and Raleigh Texada. I think, I think Keyshawn Nixon is one of those two, and I have no clue who the other guy is. So that's a that's an interesting spot. Um, so let's turn our attention to offensive line because that dovetails really nicely with all the undrafted free agency I wanted to talk about. We got to do an ad break right here. 
Uh, but I'll be right back, and we're going to talk about some of these UDFA offensive linemen, kind of dig into who they are and what roles they fill, and that'll kind of help us flesh out our depth chart at offensive line. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, so here are the UDFA offensive linemen we picked up. We got four guys, Jameer Johnson, Cole Schneider, George Moore, and Caleb Jones. Two of these guys jumped out at me right away. Super interesting dudes. Let's talk first about, uh, grab the wrong page. We'll talk about Caleb Jones first. So Caleb Jones, offensive tackle, Indiana. This is by far the biggest football player on this team. He is six foot nine. The second tallest guy is Yash Nyman at six seven. <laughs> And then he weighs 370 pounds. That is a whopping 40 pounds heavier than TJ Slayton, our our previous uh, heaviest guy on the team. You look at some pictures of Caleb Jones. This guy is a, he's a monster. Honestly, terrifying to to look at him sometimes because he's also like, He kind of mean mugs you all the time, and I'm not saying he's got Samuel Jackson's face, but he looks like he's Samuel Jackson's son. (laughs) It's like just a real similar facial features, but with long dreadlocks, and then like this is all on the, the biggest human body you've ever seen in your life. I, I really just want him to make the team, honestly. 
guy is guy is a freak. Um, let's talk about uh, a little bit about. So obviously, at that size, you know, he projects as a tackle, not a guard. Um, he played. Uh, let's see, 12 games in 2021, 698 snaps at right tackle. Let's see, how many at left tackle? Where's my uh, left tackle counter? Uh, nope, that's center. Left tackle, he only played 96 snaps, so seven times as many at right tackle as at left tackle. So obviously what you're looking at here is your next Yash Nyman. Uh, a guy who can maybe stick around for a couple years um, and hopefully develop his uh, his skill set to to maybe take advantage of some of the freak body he has. He wasn't a particularly good blocker. His overall grade, well, let's see, his his pass blocking grade was a fifty five point six. That's definitely subpar. He's a better run blocker, 65.3. Still not what you really love to see. Unfortunately, so he played 12 games in 2021. He gave up seven sacks, uh, allowed 32 pressures, five hits, 20 hurries. To me, he's just not that talented. He's He's got this massive frame. He's not really getting pushed around, but guys are just kind of running around him. Looking at what uh, some of the scouting reports have to say about Mr. Caleb Jones. So he actually was, uh, uh, after the 2019 season, he was being tossed around as a draft name, probably just because of the size. Uh, Indiana did make it to the Gator Bowl that year. Um, he was six foot eight at the time, so he's since put on an inch, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, and but then in twenty twenty one, and and his twenty twenty season wasn't bad either. But twenty twenty one, he was criticized for really inconsistent play, which I think is maybe a generous way to put it. Um, actually the. The Hoosiers, all, all five of the Hoosiers offensive linemen struggled a lot in 2021. So it wasn't just a him thing. It was the whole offensive line. So, you know, maybe there's something to look at there in, you know, maybe maybe the offense just really wasn't clicking. Uh, maybe there's the, the guys weren't on the same page with the coaching. They weren't, you know, a, a cohesive unit. I will just say, I, I guess I view that as kind of positive that his one really disappointing year was a year when all five offensive linemen were really struggling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Caleb Jones, I, I think you can't not get excited about the, uh, the, the, the raw physical tool set that he brings to the table. Kind of hope he sticks around to me. You know, if, if he's a hard work, uh, hard worker and, and you like his, um, like his his drive and uh, and his uh, intelligence, I think you keep him around. Um, solid knee bend. This says uh, a couple people have described him as really nasty as a blocker. Um, got to, got to see a couple uh, a couple uh, plays at his pro day that were kind of cool. Um, 
here's one. Uh, what, which bowl is this? Is this the senior bowl? It's not the senior bowl. What is it? The NFLPA Collegiate Bowl uh, in Pasadena that he attended. That was kind of cool. Um, do, 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 do. Started 13 games in 2019. Played uh, 12 of those at right tackle. The other one was at left tackle. Honorable All-Mention All-Big Ten. Uh, which there's a lot of good offensive linemen in the Big Ten, so that's you know that's kind of what they're known for. In 2020, he had four starts at left tackle, one at right tackle in the five games that he played, and the the whole season I think was only six games long for Indiana, so because of COVID. Uh, and he mentioned at one point that the, that the COVID year was kind of a setback for him, um, that you know not being with the team all the time. That was something he brought up. So uh, some of his pros and cons. Uh, Cons. Poor footwork, lack of explosiveness, uh, struggles versus edge rushers with speed and burst, plays with too high of a pad level, lacks the bend, balance, and burst to be a high-end NFL tackle, no real recovery due to lack of core strength and hip flexibility. That might really hold him back, honestly. Lacks knowledge of aiming points when blocking in a zone and gap run concept. Well, that's the kind of thing you can teach him. Needs work on weight transfer when transitioning to anchor. Lacks nuance with resetting hands and attacking weaknesses of of opponents. Uh, For his size, uh, for his size, I would like to see a nastier player, but but doesn't destroy smaller defenders. Lack of consistent footwork and leverage tend to get him in trouble. Uh, he wins with his size, length, and processing in pass protection. Processing, that's nice to see. Um, you know, so if, if, if he's got the smarts upstairs, um, and, you know, and you're you're looking at him as a guy that you can really develop, I think I think you stash this guy in the practice squad and you work with him over a couple years. You know, try and try and take um Take advantage of, you know, the fact that uh, other teams are not going to be super interested in him. Give him a, a nice little paycheck and just work with him for a couple of years like he did in Yash Nyman. Try and really turn that physical upside into a, a, a good, solid swing tackle that you can work with. Um, if nothing else, you know, it, it, it has cost you nothing to bring him in as a UDFA with a guy of his size, that's just so rare. So I'm excited about him. Uh, Jameer Johnson is the next guy. Oh, by the way, so I have uh, I have uh, Caleb Jones obviously slotted in as my uh, as a, a right tackle. So uh, Jameer Johnson, Texas A&M. This is an interesting guy. So he transferred from Tennessee. I know more about Jameer Johnson than I wanted to because uh, he was one of two players in our whole rookie class, which includes um, draft picks and UDFAs, who apparently doesn't have a Twitter account. And I was looking for forever for his Twitter account. So I was reading all these um, all these reports and stories about him and just like basically following his entire college career. Used to have a, a Twitter account, deleted it. So there we go. Um, kind of wasted some time with that. Um, interesting thing with A&M. Jameer Johnson signing with the Packers means that every single Aggie who was of, eligible for the draft 
has been signed to an NFL team now. So that's kind of cool. Um, he was so Kenyon Green is the big name at Texas A and M. Uh, Jameer Johnson ended up playing tackle, uh, which which kind of kicked Kenyon out of that spot. He was kind of expected to be the left tackle. And he got kicked to, what was it, was it left guard? I think he got kicked to left guard eventually. Uh, and Jameer Johnson took over at left tackle. Kind of interesting. Uh, makes a little bit of sense. Jameer is six foot five, 300 pounds. He's a big guy. And even though he's 300 pounds, he's, he's skinny. Like, you look at him, all that weight is in his muscle. No gut on this guy whatsoever. You just showed me a picture of him and... and didn't show me the number he was wearing. I would really struggle to to tell you that he played offensive line. I'd say uh, he's probably an edge rusher, right? The guy just you know, he doesn't have a gut. He's uh, just real trim. Exciting type of player. Uh, looking at him, looking at uh, scouting reports on him. So this is a guy who again pro- projects as a developmental tackle. I think. I think Jameer Johnson maybe has a chance to make the 53, possibly. I think it's a, a it's a long shot, but I would say a much better shot than Caleb Johnson. But at the very least, this is probably a guy you want to keep on your practice squad. Um, in a lot of ways, they're, they're kind of some opposite things between Jameer and Caleb Johnson. Because Jameer is kind of smaller. I think that he's a guy you want him to pack on a little bit of weight because he does get pushed around a little bit. Um, he is decently flexible, uh, can, uh, but he, he bends at the waist a little bit too often, which is not what you want. Uh, makes him lose his balance at times. Sometimes lunges in pass protection. It's not good. Uh, basically every note when you go through on all of his negatives, it's, well, his technique isn't real solid or sound in this area, and so it causes him to lose balance. Um, definitely definitely something that uh, NFL players are going to take a big advantage of. Uh, plays too high when run blocking. Uh, will stop his feet in both pass pro and run blocking. Uh, I saw a couple plays I was watching with him where he's trying to move over and he'll like hop with both feet in the air. Coach Hahn was quick to point out to me a couple of years ago. That's a big no, no <laughs> always keep one foot on the ground. If you hop, you got nothing holding you to the ground and somebody can just knock you over. Uh, so this is just a guy who, you know, he, he played at a decently high level in college in college, but Maybe a little bit physically limited just because of his size. And then from a technique standpoint, there's a lot to teach him. <clears throat> so, but but one thing that you like about him, he's wicked smart. Good processor, um, thinks quickly, read a, reads defenses really well. He is an, a good zone blocker. That's a big plus for the Packers. Let's see, some other pros. Shows explosion in his initial strike and extends his hips through contact. Uh, Physical toughness is there. He tries to destroy some D-linemen. Consistently looks for work and pass protection. He's very competitive and throws his whole body into defenders. 
we kind of hope so when he's um you know got z- like a, a zero percent uh body fat <laughs> let's see good processing it's good processing to read twist and stunts and keep good positioning in pass pro while tech when technically sound with a good base he shows a good anchor extending the hips and weight drop there's that kind of preview of of you know what he looks like when he puts it all together he just needs to do that more consistently uh stalls momentum at the top of the track using his length that's a good thing feels low hands he feels low hands well and uses a snatch and trap to beat lower defenders if you know what that sentence means that's Good for you. I have no clue what that sentence means. <laughs> uh, overall is solid and has a strong outside hand in pass protection to stall speed rushers momentum. So these these were kind of two of the more exciting guys for me. Um, if you want to just talk about just straight up interesting, Cole Schneider is that dude. Cole was asked about what he wants to do if the NFL doesn't pan out for him. He's like, eh, I'm going to go into cage fighting, probably. Or maybe I'd like to be a chiropractor someday. I can't find what his major, his college major is, so I have no idea if he was studying something that would let you be a chiropractor. Uh, if he's not, then I don't know, you know, if you're going to ding him for, like, intelligence of, like, yeah, I want to be a chiropractor, but I studied, you know, um, uh, accounting. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting guy. He was a wrestler. Uh, he was actually named wrestler of the year for what? I don't know if this is just for Florida, uh, but he was named wrestler of the year and overall male athlete of the year at Southwest Florida sports awards in 2021. Um, so, Dude has a a list of accomplishments a mile long. First team All-American Athletic Conference. So I guess that's first team All-AAC. Second team All-AAC. AAC AAC All-Academic. That's cool. Okay. So I guess we can't ding him too much for intelligence if he won AAC All-Academic. As well as USA Today Freshman All-American in 2018. When he helped the Knights rush a record-breaking 3,318 yards. That's a lot of yards. When asked about his favorite award, Schneider said it was being voted the News Press All-Decade Offensive Player for the 2010s. That's pretty cool. Quote, there's a lot of great guys who played in that decade. A lot of great dudes. You're talking to Sammy Watkins, who played for one year. Uh, But I think that's something that means a lot, especially playing in a specific position that doesn't get recognition like that. News press all decade offensive player. So that's what for all of college football, all decade offensive player. It doesn't say all AAC. It's just all decade. That's kind of wild. Six foot four, uh, 295 pounds can bench 365 pounds squat, 500 pounds. <laughs> Holy moly. Is this in in high school or college? This has to be high school. Has to be. I don't know. Uh, As a high school senior, Schneider was was ranked as a two-star recruit. He was the number 123 offensive guard in the country, according to ESPN. Two-time heavyweight state wrestling champion for Riverdale. He went 29-0 in his senior season. Quote, I really generally started wrestling just for football shape. 
There's a lot of stuff and a lot of movements in wrestling that can help whether you play offensive or defensive line. The big thing is the mentality. Having a strong mentality and being able to count on just yourself in any given situation. I had a great coach, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking a bunch of different coaches, multiple coaches. Don't care about that. Let's see. Uh, prior to his commitment in, to UCF, UCF went 0-12 in 2015. I thought his, his freshman year was 2018. Why do we care about 2015? Maybe this is just talking about why he when why he decided to go to UCF. Uh, oh no! So his first year was 2017 because they were undefeated and they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl, 34 to 27. That's not a small accomplishment. Oh well, why are they telling us this? He didn't even play that season. He redshirted despite not playing that season. Being on the offensive scout team was something he credits for his success. Okay, well we don't care about that. <clears throat> Uh, do, 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 do. he's got a brand. It's called six, five, which is that the number he wore? I know that's his height. Looks like that was not his number. I think it was only his height. Interesting. At some point he must've worn six, five. I have a picture of him wearing 44. I bet he wore. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he eventually wore 65. So he's got this brand called six, five. If you know the rapper 6ix9ine, it's like 6ix5ine is spelled out like that. So 6ix5ine, uh, he sells hoodies, shirts, beanies, hats. His designs are based on some of the well-known colorful hairstyles that he started to semi-permanently dye anytime he got a haircut. Yeah, I did notice this. In every picture of him, he's got a different color of hair. <sighs> Looks like he wore blue for, for kind of a, a long time, but... I've seen this guy in like four different hair colors. <laughs> and you'd expect him to have like long hair. No, he's got a buzz. Uh, here's one where he's wearing a, a faux hawk. Kind of interesting. Interesting dude. Interesting dude for sure. Uh, Schneider accepted an invite to play in the Hula Bowl college all-star game uh, at the Knights Stadium, which is called the Bounce House. That's a cool nickname for a stadium, the Bounce House. Um, do, 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 do. at the time that this article was written, that game had not been played yet. Uh, let's see. All right. Here's some thoughts from his coach. He can play any of the inside positions, whether it be right guard, left guard, or center. It's about all that is interesting that his coach said. Okay, cool. Thanks, coach. Schneider says, my biggest inspiration for playing has got to be my family. Growing up, I never saw myself doing anything but playing football. My family supported me every step of the way since I was a kid, and it's something I really appreciated. Seems like an interesting dude. Uh, let's talk about scouting report. What is he good at? So his overall grade in 2021 was 67.9, had an 80.5 pass blocking grade. You like to see that. 62.5 run blocking grade allowed zero sacks, three pressures, one hit, two hurries. Nothing to sneeze at there. Played 13 games. Um, had 428 pass blocking attempts. Uh, he was penalized three times in 2021. That's got to get cleaned up. Uh, looks like they were really pretty evenly split there. Um, 
pass and run snaps. Zero snaps at tackle. Uh, either tackle did not play at right guard at all in 2021. Doesn't mean he can't do it. Maybe they just had a guy who was there all the time anyways. Um, but then he was kind of bouncing between left guard and center. Played 700 snaps at left guard. 137 snaps at center. Scouting report. Let's see. That's Jameer Johnson. Where'd my... Uh... Oh, I forgot. Hang on. Let's let's jump back to Jameer Johnson for a second. I didn't say where he was going to play. So Jameer... That's Jameer Smith. Here's Jameer Johnson. Jameer Johnson. Snap count. Let's see. Uh, by the way, 60.9 PFF grade. 40 po- uh, 45.1 pass blocking grade. That's not going to cut it. 71.8 run blocking. Um, let's see. Allowed two sacks. Three hits, 26 hurries. Ouch. Played 11 games, uh, two declined penalties, and then 10 penalties. So total, 12 penalties on this guy, and 10 of them were expected, accepted. That's why we should have really covered this guy, or covered th- these these stats back when we were talking about him. Um, let's see. All of his snaps, looks like they came at left tackle. Yes, every snap came at left tackle. So, uh, Jameer Johnson and Caleb Jones are developmental swing tackles. Uh, Caleb Jones has more experience at, at right tackle. Jameer Johnson has more experience at left tackle. And then our guy Cole Schneider we're talking about here, he's like a left guard. Uh can play center, and I would assume can play right guard, but he didn't do it at all in 2021. So, jumping back to his scouting report, and I think we're going to wrap it up and get out of here because it's getting late. Fun fact with Cole, he did have one uh, rushing attempt. He carried the ball for one yard and got a touchdown. So, don't need to explain what happened on that play. Uh, Natural position is offensive guard. He can play center. Out of his 38 starts, 37 were at guard with one at center. So, pencil this guy in as a left guard. Um, let's see, versus his run blocking skills need work. We did see that teams know this and it makes him more likely to slide through the draft. Well, he didn't get drafted. So, um, actually here's a different site that says that he has 46 career starts for the UCF Knights. So actually here's a fun little fact. Devondre Campbell, Kurt Benkert, and Sammy Watkins all grew up in the same area of Florida as Cole Schneider. Who the heck is K? They keep talking about K. Who's K? Cameron K? Ooh, wait a minute. Cameron K, long snapper at Troy, signed with the Green Bay Packers. We signed a long snapper? Hang on a second. I didn't hear this. So it looks like he... Cameron K... At least got an invitation to the rookie minicamp. However, the official Hula Bowl Twitter account says that he is signing with the Packers. But this is two days ago. Man, has this been reported anywhere? Man, this is interesting. <laughs> I need to stay off Twitter when I'm recording. Somebody tagged me. <laughs> Adrian Hutchinson, 
A Aiden Hutchinson and Jamison Williams are being introduced um, at, at some Lions ceremony thing. <laughs> They're holding up their jerseys. Aiden Hutchinson is beaming from ear to ear. Jamison is like, I don't want to be here. Oh, my gosh. He looks so ticked off. <laughs> uh, however, I will say. Jameson has like maybe never smiled in his whole life. That guy, every every time I've ever seen him, he's always had a bad attitude. Whiniest guy in the world, but whatever, it's fine. He's gonna love being miserable in Detroit. So as far as Cole Schneider's scouting reports, there's honestly not a lot of them out there. Um, I've read through a couple, but they're all pretty shallow. Not a lot to say. Here's one from Pro Football Network, which is a site that I've started to become kind of a big fan of. Um, they got a couple guys who write for them that I really like. Get out of my way, pop up. Okay, Cole Schneider, strong, small area lineman, translation, guard, who blocks with a nasty attitude, displays a terrific head for the position, shows great awareness, and works well with line mates. First time I've heard that word. Teammates, but on the offensive line. Sets with a wide base. Bends his knees and fires off the snap into blocks. Strong, turns defenders off the line, and opens up holes for the running game. Better than average skill pulling across the line of scrimmage and blocking in motion. Negatives. Lacks agility and struggles to finish blocks. Possesses average size and speed. That all lines up with the stuff that we just saw when we were looking at the database. Um, couple other... Uh, Pluses that they note for him, just uh, what a hard worker he is, uh, work ethic, intelligent, uh, gets the most from his ability, displays a lot of strength, lacks the agility necessary for a zone blocker, that's unfortunate, and the sheer bulk to line up in a power gap system, we don't care about that. Still, Schneider does offer possibilities as an inexpensive backup. So, of the three guys that we had time to cover today... Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the lowest on Jameer Johnson. We'll see what he can turn into. Um, but to me, there's just not a lot there. He got a, a massive amount of penalties, massive amount of pressures and hurries. Kept the sacks kind of low, but I think sometimes sack numbers are a little bit more on the quarterback. You know, whereas uh, pressures, you know, that's just the the offensive lineman. And then just that he's such a graded out so poorly at pass blocking. Cole Schneider intrigues me a lot. And then Caleb Jones, you know, real long-term development. I think I think Caleb Jones is is your new Yash Nyman if they if they decide to stick with him. Guy who just kind of sits on the roster for a long time and just learns, 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 and learns, and then they finally get to a point where they're ready to use him. Um, but just a lot of development needed. Okay. Uh, we went an hour long, and I wasn't intending to go that long, so we're going to wrap this up and get out of here. Thank you so much for uh, going through this with me. Um, check me out on Twitter, at JJ Leahy, and then uh, patreon.com slash JJ Leahy if you're interested in helping me continue to get access to some of these cool tools I want, um, upgrade my sound system. One thing that I'm not taking donations for because just schedule-wise it wouldn't work, but I would really like to do is go to this London game. Man, that'd be cool. It's not going to work because we're going to have a, a, a newborn like right before the season begins. Um, so that kind of stinks. Um, but I would really like to make it to a, a, a Germany or London game um, at some point. Would just be a blast. 
Uh, by the way, our bye week this week or this year looks like it's going to be week six. So, kind of an early bye week, but you know what? When your bye week is, it doesn't matter. It's it's when do you need it that year? It's all about getting healthy, man. All right, gonna wrap it up. Get out of here. Uh, talk to you folks later. You have a great day.